to be astonished. It's that time again. Let's get started. From the Clatsop County Historical Society, an adventure in history with Matt Burns and Alana Quila. You should never be allowed to talk to people. Some people without brains do an awful lot of talking. And now, with today's adventure, it's Mac and Alana. Good evening and welcome to an adventure in history. We're so glad you're joining us this evening as we are nearing a spooky end to the month with lots of fun activities coming coming our way. And we also have a, a special guest that we waited so long we for waited him until to he was stop working to come on our show. And we did. We given any teasers here? Any or? any tease about where he? Well, he used to spend his workday, well, inside. You had the best office, but outside as well. Any yeah. other? Without saying who you are just yet, what else is unique about your career? Yeah, I got uh, the best office for maybe half of my career. Half. Okay. okay. <laughs> we have Ty Williams. Thanks for joining us. We're so glad you're here. I'm glad you have that extra time, too. Yeah. Thanks for the invite. And uh, yeah, I'm. I'll, I enjoy local history so i'm a okay. fan of the show yeah he's been making excuses for 32 years i not know to come, but now he's <laughs> retired so he had no excuse that's true <laughs> we haven't been on the air 32 i know and, and extra time <laughs> is such a like not true either i mean you don't have extra time right because it gets filled so quickly you know i uh, he's gonna tell us yeah but i i find retired people are busier than Busy. when they were working and then you have to cut back right like yeah we, we've heard that with a lot of people as they like sort of overdo it and then they have to curb it a little bit so yeah we'll but, see. but you did say spooky so spooky, uh, yes. not necessarily spooky but certainly end of the month stuff yes. so uh, vampira vampira yep. astoria's own vampira i love it we're doing an event this friday october 27th at the liberty theater doors open at six the uh, big show will start at seven we've got vampira's niece who wrote a book about uh, her aunt vampira mm-hmm. And uh, we have a little walking tour booklet we hand out that we can give. And then we're going to sh- have a little Q&A with Denise. And then we're going to show Plan 9 from Outer Space. How fun. Perhaps the worst movie ever made. <laughs> <laughs> but a so cult classic, right? Like it is a cult she's classic. in it. And it's yeah. like very uniquely. It's, a, it's an Edward film. Her. So it'll be a lot of fun. Not yeah. made in Oregon, but we still think it's pretty cool. Right. And the Astoria Connection. And then uh, just a couple of days after that, Sunday, always the last Sunday in October, Talking Tombstones on October 29th. Uh, it'll be out at Ocean View Cemetery starting at 1 o'clock. It's free. Both and of those events are free. And Talking Tombstones is brought to you by? Uh, Vancouver Granite Works. I love that. It's yeah. a great uh, connection. Now, now back, and when a, it, back when mm-hmm. it was Astoria Granite Works, Russ War mm-hmm. sponsored it the first year. And then he was so amazed at how many people we could get to stand in a cemetery in the rain. Yeah. Because it was raining that first year. And he said, you got me for life. Aww. And then Vancouver Granite Works, when he retired, um, they have honored that. Yeah. So. That's good. All right. Shall we get uh, right to you have a, yes. a word? Because things bringing back from the dead. I uh, do. Like talking tombstones, you're bringing words back. So, so this is a word. It's a noun. And it's something that Ty could have had Ooh. in c- coming to our show today. But he didn't because he listened to our show and learned how unique and special we are. <clears throat> the word is collywobbles. Ty does not have collywobbles today. That is when you're nervous about a situation that you don't know about. Pretty close. Stomach pain or sickness from nervous anxiety. This is their example. A dram of scotch before your wedding (laughs) can calm your collywobbles. Collywobbles. (laughs) 
Collie. I like that. I know word. that's a good one, isn't it? I'll admit, I thought about a dram of scotch before I yeah. came in this morning. But <laughs> it would have been all right because we're sitting in the drunk tank. We now are yep. broadcasting <laughs> from true. the drunk tank at the old uh, police headquarters yep. in the old city hall where the Heritage Museum is. Yep. We're in the basement. Yeah. We got We might have to change the name of Adventure in History to something Ooh, else. Ooh, an adventure in a but, but drunk tank. Somehow th- we're <laughs> broadcasting from the tank. Yeah. And we are sober. <laughs> we are. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, you know, I don't know what the th- what you've done before the show, so maybe maybe <laughs> Coffee neither, and water. maybe neither one of you are. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. So uh, let's get to the big history highlights because uh, we've got a lot to talk about on the show today. Mm-hmm. So let's get these out of the way. These are things that uh, happen tomorrow, October twenty third, sixteen eighty four. Ooh. The uh, English King Charles the Second revokes the Massachusetts Bay Colony Charter due to repeated violations of the Charter's terms, including trading with other countries and running an illegal mint. Oh. Printing their own money. Can't have that. Right, yeah. Oh, I forgot. I have some that that I want you to try and guess the date on. Okay. So uh, the Smurfs first appear in the story Johan and Pierreot by Belgium cartoonist Peyo. What year did the Smurfs make their debut? 19... 20s. 20s, really? The sure. Smurfs. And what do you think? I'm going to go uh, mid-70s. See, that's what I, when I first saw this, I was thinking 70s because the TV show was but like in the 80s. But that's when they're 70s. Yeah. 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 Um, 1958. 58. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, and then uh, here's, we've got three that you're going to guess. So that's the first one. <laughs> one of the first modern plastic surgeries in the West is performed by Joseph Carpew on a soldier's nose in England using Indian techniques oh, from India. we have talked Imported. about this. I think we have as well, because I kind of knew this. Oh. Oh, man, I don't know. So first Ni- modern plastic surgery. 1945. 1945? And what do you think? Uh, I'm going to go 1925. Yeah, I think it's earlier. I think 1814. <gasps> wow. Oh, my goodness. 1814. Isn't that amazing? Yes. <laughs> I know we've definitely talked about yeah. that one. Because uh, it was a soldier it that came got out his of nose war. Like blown yep. off. Yeah. Okay. And then the other one, the first national horseshoe throwing championship is held at Kellerton, Iowa. Horseshoeing. Mm-hmm. Mm. Horseshoe throwing. Things that Ty can every, do in his every spare July Fourth barbecue. You know, we always right have this as one of our pastimes. Um, nineteen seventy-five. Nineteen seventy-five. I think uh, eighteen fifty-seven. <laughs> You're close. Well, I don't. I'd have to do math to figure out which one of you is closer. Nineteen fifteen. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, so back to the other ones here. The uh, <laughs> 1850, the first National Women's Rights Convention begins yes. in Worcester, Massachusetts. I like that one. Yeah, and it's uh, actually a couple of years after Seneca Falls, because this caught mm-hmm. me off guard. I was like, Seneca, Seneca Falls is really the first, but it wasn't actually a uh, convention. Yep. It was a conference. And it was a 1,000 delegates that came from 11 states, and they were following the steps of what came from Seneca Falls. Mm-hmm. So... Um, that was good. And we never really talk about this one. We always right. talk about Seneca Falls as historians. So uh, I was pleased to see that. All right. Uh, 1983, Beirut, uh, Beirut uh, barracks blown up. Mm. And ever since then, we've had peace in the Middle East. It's been wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Moving along. 1991, Clarence Thomas is sworn in as U.S. Supreme Court Justice. And then we have a tie. <laughs> we have a tie for the uh, history highlight of the day. Okay. So because I w- it wasn't Clarence Thomas. I was not. I will go with the more recent one. 2001, Apple releases the iPod. Ooh. 
Big Impact. Big Impact, yep. All right, and probably just as importantly, 1813, <laughs> the Pacific Fur Company trading post at Astoria, Oregon, is turned over, it's purchased, to by the uh, rival British Northwest Company. Very, very <laughs> impactful to the, those of us in this room. Yeah. Maybe yeah. not as important as the iPod. I but don't know. It's local, so I got to go with that one. Yeah. So it's a tie. That's a good one. But the iPod, and how many in this room still have an iPod? You I think d- I does might it have still one work? Around at home. I, don't, I haven't charged it in a long time. It yeah. probably still does. I, I never had one. You never have. Of course no, you I, didn't. I, had an, I, <laughs> yeah. say, I have an iPad mini. That you barely know I, how to use. Because I won it in a contest. <laughs> yes. Uh, so that's it. Well, we love our podcast. We talked about that last week. So well, that's why it's called podcast. You didn't. Uh, I, I hit everything. You did. That extra one on the suffragist was good. So good. Excellent. Yeah. We'll get, we well, get to talk with Ty. We Again, we waited a long time for this. So thanks for being here again. Yeah. yeah no. No. My pleasure. So you want to get us going as to, um, well, we can start with your job. We can we say that. Or do we want to start with how he got here first? Which one do you like, Mac? Well, let's always go to the origin story. Okay, origin story. How did you end up here? <laughs> okay. Or your family? Uh, yeah, my family, uh, my maternal uh, side of the family uh, immigrated here in the late uh, 1800s from Finland. Oh, wow. Uh, my great-grandfather was one of the um, uh, charter members of Union Fish Company. Oh my um, goodness! My mother's a URL, so that's uh, a name that was around here for a while. Um, uh, she's one of uh, five daughters, though, so the URL name has has slowly died out. There wasn't a lot of boys in the in the URL family, so. Um, but uh, yeah, long history here. My grandfather then worked at uh, Union Fish for nearly fifty years as a boat carpenter in the uh, carpenter shop, which is now Bridgewater Bistro. So, oh, uh, my gosh. Wow. Yeah. So um, I love made that. a lot of uh, cedar uh, floats, gillnet floats and boats. And mm-hmm. so, uh, yeah. So what led them to come here to us? Why Astoria? Yeah. Were they relatives? Uh, uh, no, I think, uh, you know, I think it's this uh, similar to a lot of the other uh, people from Scandinavia. It was a similar geography, similar uh, trades, fishing, um, logging. So uh, I think that was the draw um, to the area. And, and uh, you know, our family's kind of been here ever since. My uh, Both my mother and father had fairly large families. Uh, his his uh, My dad's dad was actually stationed here in the Navy. He was from Alabama. My dad was then born in Alabama, and then they came back here. He came back here. So, um, so yeah, long, long history of the area, and, um, yeah, that's kind of so, how we got here. So what did your parents do for a living? Uh, my dad was a logger for a good part of uh, his life, and then um, in the... Uh, late 80s he went to work for the city of Astoria and he retired there after about 25 years um uh, and then my mother uh she was a homemaker when we were uh younger and then she went to work for um the U.S. Coast Guard at the uh Coast Guard Exchange and um did a lot of the books there for the for the PX and she retired there so um that's and then you know I grew up out in the Olney area uh went to Olney school Oh uh, my goodness! Yeah, it was before it was incorporated in the Astoria School District back when it was on the yeah. on the uh, timber distribution formula. So you know we had uh, 
pretty fortunate we had computers out there back in my day in the 80s. So, uh, oh my God. How big was that? How many kids uh, there was when you were there? When I was there, I think there was probably about anywhere between 70 and 80, depending. Um, and that's the entire K through? K through 8, yeah. Okay. We had blended classes. Um, I was, like I said, I was there the whole time. Uh, and the whole time I was there, I really only had three teachers because uh, my kindergarten teacher after the first year um, moved up to the first and second grade. And then my third and fourth grade teacher, when I got done there, he moved up fifth, fifth and sixth. So I had him for four years. And oh, then I, I had that. my seventh and eighth grade teacher for two years. So, uh, yeah, I got a lot of uh, good learning there, you know, because they were small class sizes. If you were, um, you know, advanced in certain areas, you got to go study with the class above you. And so I think I got a pretty good uh, base education there. It prepared me to go to the big town of Astoria and the, you know, <laughs> larger school there. So, um did you know it was unique at the time? Um, not really. I mean, you kind of took it for granted, you know. Yeah. Um, but, you know, as I went further in my education and found, you know, started, you know, especially when I got to high school, realized that, you know, other kids hadn't had the opportunities that we'd had at the smaller school. And, um, uh, you know, my my real, my eighth grade class, this we only had three kids that went all the way together. And I think there was five graduates in my eighth grade class. But, um uh, you know, there was, in my kindergarten class, I think there was three or four kids. And you know, I remember one day we had a, a great uh, kindergarten, first and second grade teacher, uh, Vicki Baker, who I think people in the area might be familiar with. She's uh, an artist now, does after retirement. And um, I think she volunteers at KMUN sometimes. But uh, I remember a day when um, a couple of the students were sick. So she grabbed me and another boy, put her in her, the VW uh car and we went to town for a field trip and we went to the Columbia Memorial Maritime Museum and I mean the Columbia Maritime Museum and the and the uh, Astor Column and then she took us to Custard King for an ice cream cone so I mean it was kind of there were some benefits to having small uh, oh class sizes so that's wild yeah so was there any uh, culture shock in you've got a you graduating class of five and then you go to the big Astoria High School, and they all know each other for years and yeah, years. Yeah, we we uh, uh, I did we did get bussed in um, to play uh, football in seventh and eighth grade, so uh, only would bus us in to play you know more the organized the larger organized sports. So I knew some of the uh, kids from that, uh, but yeah, it was a little different. Um, the culture shock really came when I went to Oregon State after graduating from Astoria, where you'd go into a a classroom the size of the Liberty Theater and uh, you know you'd have 200 people in a class and the teacher didn't really care if you were there or not uh, right. so there was no real accountability you had to be personally accountable so you know coming from a small class where they knew if you sneezed you know uh, <laughs> it was a it was a big culture shock for me but yeah. so those three kids are, are all three of you still around are you friends uh, we're still we st I still see them um, I think I'm. Uh, I think one of them just recently moved back here. Uh, one of them um, is, you know, one of my best friends. But he is a, a lineman uh, on works on the big high, uh, like the BPA size lines, and he does a lot of work out down in California. He lives over in the Prineville area now. So, uh, but we still stay in touch. So yeah, I love that. Yeah. Are there reunions that happen um, at the school? I mean, cause occasionally. I mean, uh, not, do not, we don't really have a. Yeah, we don't really have reunions per se but it's just mm -hmm. kind of running into people and seeing right. them and talking yeah because it's a it would be a very big reunion you can have it in the living room i suppose yeah, <laughs> yeah. so i was gonna say the class that size the reunion you just do is one. friday night let's have drinks yeah, yeah <laughs> pretty much yeah 
but I think that's great. So in high school, what are your interests and what did you go to college for and what did you think you were going to end up spending your life doing? I had, uh, you know, I always had interest in the outdoors. Um, I love to hunt and and fish and, um, you know, I I thought maybe I wanted to be a wildlife photographer at one time, Uh, but then uh, I kind of in high school, I decided I wanted to be a, a big game biologist. And uh, so I went to Oregon State. Uh, I got a degree in wildlife science, which at Oregon State is in the College of Agriculture and doesn't really um, mesh well with the College of Forestry at all. (laughs) Uh, And meanwhile, when I was doing that, I was on the uh, seasonal fire crew for the Oregon Department of Forestry, kind of helping me pay my way through college. And uh, so I got my foot in the door there. Well, then when I graduated, from Oregon State in 1995, um, it was kind of like in the middle of the spotted owl uh, epidemic, I guess you could say. And um, so, really, the only jobs in wildlife science were um, seasonal jobs, trying to call uh, spotted owls in. So, oh, um, so yeah, that was, uh, and that's not really what I wanted to do. You know, work seasonally in different areas, and um, so I was. Uh, able to get on on a temporary basis um, at the Department of Forestry. In the summers, I'd work on the fire crew still, and then in the winter, I would work in the reforestation program um, doing uh, uh, bear damage uh, plots out in the forest to see what the black bear damage was. And then, and then I worked my way into the timber marketing uh, unit, which you know lays out timber sales and roads for uh, timber sales. Um, so that's kind of how I started there, and that eventually turned into a full-time job. And, yeah, I worked there um, from when I started as a seasonal in 1991 and uh, just retired this summer from um, from there. So had a good career there. Ended up being um, uh, the district operations coordinator was my role, was my title when I retired, um, basically overseeing all the operations on the Clatsop State Forest, so the, the public-owned land. Um, so yeah, it was a, it was really a great job. And, um, I took one forestry class in college and that was uh, concepts of survival. So, uh, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a product of, uh, learning on the job, which, you know, I, I think is a, a good way to learn. Um, but I had a, you know, good background in, in the sciences. So that had, that also helped. So a lot to, to digest there, but the one that jumped out at me and I can't get out of my head now is bear damage. What? What are you looking for? What does the bear damage? <laughs> well, a bear, uh, the, the black bears that we have in our area, they love the uh, young uh, uh, bark from the fir trees. It's full of the sugary uh, sap in the springtime. Mm-hmm. So they go and peel trees a lot, you know, and that's uh, one of the um, one of the things that kills, you know, a lot of the trees out in the forest in their, in their their when they're younger and non-merchantable. They like the younger trees more because the bark's not as hard and they're you know easy to peel so huh. we'd go out and and take plots just random plots on a, on a transect and um see how many trees were damaged in a you know a pl- pl- on a plot basis mm-hmm. so um at the time uh in the early 90s uh, there was still a uh, an active um bear trapping program on the department lands but then in the early 2000s we shipped shifted to a uh, new forest management plan um, 
which you know required us to create snags and 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 mm-hmm. do some things and so it, it really the damage we were seeing you know those those trees ended up being the snags we needed so there was no um, reason to do that uh, anymore so oh interesting yeah. i like that yeah yeah, yeah they kind of, of uh, they were, yeah it was a, a cheap way to get a snag created you let mother nature take care <laughs> right. of it through bears yeah and then you didn't have to do the big game management that right you right. steered away from anyways yeah. So in the 80s and 90s, when the spotted owl story was breaking and, mm-hmm. and underway, I was on the East Coast, and I just knew there was this controversy between logging and call it conservation and the spotted owl. Where all is the spotted owl? I mean, do we have any well, in Clatsop County? Actually, when, when I started on the <laughs> district uh, um, back in the 90s, there was uh, 12... 12 or 13 different spotted owl sites on the district. Um, you know, I'd go out with some of the surveyors and, you know, I've seen feed mice to them. And, you know, you can see they're, 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 they were a curious bird by nature. They, mm-hmm. and didn't have a lot of fear. They'd come right down and take a mouse off a branch. And, but, um, what happened during my career, uh, was they were outcompeted by the barred owl. And every year we surveyed our district, basically all the state land in uh, Clatsop County would get surveyed every summer. And every year they'd get more and more and more responses from barred owls. And they're just at a, they look similar, um, but they are a more aggressive, a little bit bigger uh, mm-hmm. animal. And they, you know, they've kind of migrated this east to west from the east coast and they've really kind of outcompeted the spotted owl. So, you know, we tried for uh, the Oregon Department of Forestry tried for a habitat conservation plan in the early um, early 90s, early 2000s, about a 10 to 15 year period. And there was about 30,000 acres that we didn't operate on that was going to be a just set aside for owls. So there was no operations in those areas. And even with that, um, the owl population still plummeted due to the competition from the uh, the barred owl. So. And I know down south, southern Oregon now, they're, as an experiment, they're harvesting some of the barred owl uh, under a take permit as a, as a means to try to see if the, the spotted owl will come back. But I just mm-hmm. fear that um, it's too far down the sink, as, as they say mm-hmm. in the wildlife management. It's a sink or swim mentality kind of thing. But huh. I like that phrase, too. I've never heard that before. Right. <laughs> How interesting. So at what point along the way did you meet your amazing wife, Nicole? Um, well, we are high school sweethearts. We oh, met, met when we were 16. It. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. We uh, actually just celebrated our, uh, 34th, uh, anniversary of our first date this oh, last week. So, uh, so and where was awesome. that first date? Actually, it was at the end of, uh, um, Lubisky road out in the Woluski area. The Fishers, uh, out, out in that area had a, um, Halloween party for kids and they had a hayride and so it was like an old-fashioned oh my Halloween goodness party, yeah. <laughs> that's so, so sweet yeah. so 16 did you meet her then when you started high school yeah, yeah. okay so your so freshman we year but well she was we we kind of met when yeah i was a i was a sophomore and she was a freshman okay and then we started dating i was a junior and she was a sophomore so yeah i being out and only it's kind of hard to date without a driver's <laughs> license so uh <laughs> I think after I got my driver's license, it became 16. a little more, <laughs> yeah, easy to uh, to date, yeah. And then you guys stayed together. We did. I mean, you went to yeah, both went to w- Oregon State. Well, no, she actually oh. went to Western. Okay. And, uh, she, and she was a year behind me in school, so uh, I went first, and and uh, we both were uh, fortunate enough to get the Ed and Ed Ross scholarship uh, through that story. Uh, 
uh, scholarship program, which required you to not be married to receive the funds. So <laughs> we never, we honored that uh, commitment and uh, we dated through college and um, we married in uh, 1996, actually. So about a year after she graduated, we uh, finally tied the knot. So, and then uh, had two boys, um, one in 98 and one in 2002. And, uh, and they they both graduated from Astoria High School and uh, one's an instructor now at Oregon State University and the other one is uh, in his junior year in forestry unfortunately so, <laughs> so did you try to talk him out of that or? I did I wanted him to get a business degree actually but um, he uh, also has a love for the outdoors so well I have to give a public shout out um, I don't know how many I'm sure you over 32 years you've helped dozens or hundreds I don't know but uh, I sent a young uh, Boy Scout to you about three or four years ago, uh, wanting to do an Eagle project. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Owen Bergman, and yeah. he gave yeah. him direction, and he replanted an area. Yep, uh, up on Highway 30. I think there's signs yeah. still to that. Yeah, yeah. that's great. Planted by, replanted by a troop 211. Yeah. And I don't know if he planted 100 or 200 trees or something, but uh, he didn't know what to do, and I didn't know how to help him, <laughs> so I gave him your phone number and contact yeah. information. You didn't hang up on it. No, no. It's it's great being able to uh, work with the youth of our community. I know that a sixth grade forestry tour that's been going on for probably over 50 years now, because I went through it uh, back when I was a student only, um, uh, but it went on again this year out there, and it's been great for the uh, youth of our area to get exposed to that, um, you know, the outdoors and the, the careers that we have in the area that are in the outdoors. So my favorite question, you're still here. You're still staying here. You're you're very well connected. Your family, you have family here. Your wife's at Columbia Memorial. Um, what keeps you here? Are you going to stay? <laughs> well, you know, question. we have talked about, you know, at some point, you know, being born and raised here, you do get a little, start getting tired of the rain. And that usually <laughs> definitely happens around March or April, it seems like. And uh, sometimes it gets earlier, it seems like, as the years go on. But uh you know, every time we think about that, we think about our friends here and our family and the community. You know, you know everybody, you know. Mm -hmm. So it's hard hard to give that up. So we probably will. Uh, we probably will end up living our years out here. Yeah. Part mm -hmm. of it, too, depends on then where your kids end up, I think. <laughs> so we'll see how that works. But So what are the activities, then, that, that, you, that keep you here? Well, uh, we have 30 acres out in Olney, and... Um, We've decided that, uh, well, I guess my wife influenced the decision, but uh, we're going to get some cows <laughs> oh. and uh, give me something to do now that I'm retired. And, um, you know, uh, I have a lot of lawn to mow. <laughs> and uh, so there's a lot of things that, that, that keep me busy out there. My parents live live uh, near me, so, you know, helping them out. Um and I would, I would like to volunteer. Uh, this isn't, this isn't a plug for calls, but uh, some of the best yes. advice I've got when I retire was, um, be careful what you volunteer for, because it does become a job. So um, there's some areas I'm in specifically interested in. So, and I've reached out to a few of those people. So oh, that's fun. 
Excellent. So, so with cows, will that make you a farmer or a dairy farmer? <laughs> Not a dairy what? farmer, more of a beef farmer, yeah, <laughs> for sure, yeah. I don't want to have to get up and milk cows in the morning. <laughs> That's excellent. Did you guys so, have cows before? Like did when you? I was growing up, we had cows. Yeah. So I've I've fought this off for many years because it's uh, easier to go buy your steak from Costco and a lot less pain, pain more you know painless. But uh, but you know I think it'll be fun to. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, can you get some fair kids out to come? Yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe my kids did the fair ones that don't have fair, a farm. Yeah, I do let a neighbor right now. Um, they graze uh, cows in our field for part of the year, so. Um, so yeah, we have had cows on on the farm. So, yeah. so we've got about twenty seconds left. What is your favorite tree and why? Ooh. What is my favorite tree and why? I thought kind of tree, ask. not actual tree. The Barbara Walters question, almost. Uh, <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> Leave it to back. You know, I uh, I like the cedar tree. I guess I just I just think it's pretty pretty neat tree, and they're you know they're getting more rare, but uh, it's amazing the properties of cedar how long they last. And they smell good. They do. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Ty. I appreciate it. I'm glad we could convince you to come to the basement. You bet. Thank you. Go, Go make some history. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening. Thank you for joining us for An Adventure in History. An Adventure in History is created and produced by the Clatsop County Historical Society and brought to you by KMUN.